So Father, we pray now as we come to your word that you would reveal your son to us by your Holy Spirit present in this room now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, please grab a seat. Great to be uh, sharing with you this morning. And uh, just as we're worshiping, I sense that there is a hunger in the room for God and a hunger uh, for what He wants to give to us and for Him in our lives. And so I just wanna encourage us that as we come to His Word now, that, that, that we let this fill us right up, fill up that hunger for God, strengthen and uh, encourage us uh, this morning. In early 2008, Wayne Bennett, having uh, coached the Broncos for 20 years, tendered his resignation at a board meeting after his relationship with some of the administration of the club had become strained. And uh, in that same year, Darius Boyd was uh, the winger, one of the wingers at the Broncos, and he was also, uh, well, not also, but he was about to be off contract with the Broncos. So his time with them, the contract that he'd signed previously was coming to an end. And upon announcing to the players that he was leaving the club, Bennett instructed Darius Boyd to go and sort out a new contract uh, with the administration of the Broncos. And speaking in an article in 2017, Bennett said this, he said, I told him to go over to the office, told Boyd to go over to the office and get a new contract. But he came back with tears in his eyes saying, they don't want me. Bennett continues by saying, the coach and the CEO at the time didn't want him. So I said to him, you're with me. That's all I said to him. I didn't know where I was even going at the time, but he came with me from the Broncos to the Dragons and he's still with me today, Bennett records in this article in 2017. This is Boyd speaking in that same article. He said, that's when Wayne said, you're with me. I really respected him as a coach and what he'd done for me. I felt I could trust him and that he would be there for me if I needed him. That is the way it has panned out ever since. Boyd uh, went on to follow Bennett, not only to the Dragons, but also the Newcastle Knights and then back to the Broncos in 2015 in what is described as one of the richest or closest coach-player relationships that the NRL has seen. Three words from Bennett to a player, you're with me, you're with me. This might only be a relationship between a coach and a player, but I think it illustrates so well to us this morning the power of a call, the power of a call that is heeded. Darius, you're with me. We're continuing this series in Jeremiah this morning that uh, we kicked off last week and I encourage you if you didn't uh, manage to hear that one to go back and have a listen as Pastor Andrew sort of set the frame for what is going on in Jeremiah and gave us an, an understanding of essentially what this book is about. But to, today we're gonna go right to the top of the book into chapter one where we listen to what is a far more powerful call than three words from a coach to a player. We listen to a call from the living God to the man named Jeremiah. So let's read from Jeremiah chapter one. The words of Jeremiah, son of Hilkiah, one of the priests at Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin. The word of the Lord came to him, Jeremiah, in the 13th year of the reign of Josiah, son of Amon, king of Judah, and through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the 11th year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people went, of Jerusalem went into exile. 
the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I've put my words in your mouth. See, today I point you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Prophet Jeremiah, right at the start, is called by God. At the beginning of all the things that we're going to read unfold in the book of Jeremiah, he receives from God a message of consecration. He receives the word that he is set apart in God, set apart even in God at the time, in fact, of his neutrality, called and set apart before he had done either good or evil. God said, I foreknew you before you came into the world. So then if he was called at that moment in history before he had done anything, he was commissioned and set apart, not on any special quality that he had, not on any gifting or character that he had as an individual, but because God willed it. Jeremiah was not to mistake that he had the capacity to be a prophet. God was going to give him what he needed for Jeremiah to be obedient to the things that God wanted him to do. Jeremiah says, I don't know how to speak yet, I'm a child. And God says, don't think that you need to learn how to speak. I, your Lord, will put my words in your mouth. One commentator says that after learning this lesson, he says he, he presumes that Jeremiah, even at the age of 80, would be saying that same thing. Oh Lord, I still do not know how to speak. This word to Jeremiah is in fact more a word about God than it is about Jeremiah. It is about him and, and Jeremiah's relation to God, but it's a revelation of who God is and who Jeremiah is in God. I wanna be crystal clear, this is no basis for Jeremiah to be egotistic, for him to say, wow, I'm called as a prophet, all these other people aren't. But this word, this calling is essential for Jeremiah to understand who he is and he needs to know it. Imagine uh, this morning the courage, the hope that these words would have filled Jeremiah with. As he moved forward in his life, not knowing what lay ahead next, as he wondered how he would know what to say to this nation, in the times when they got tough as he was kidnapped and carried off into enemy territory, this word for Jeremiah would be strength, would be life, would be courage, would be hope that he's been chosen in God. That all of these things are not just coming about because of his volition, because, because of the circumstances that he finds himself in, that he has been chosen, appointed by God. 
And uh, I suspect that as we read this passage this morning, whether you're here or online, of the call of Jeremiah, in spite of all the afflictions and the suffering that we will go on to read that he endures as a part of that calling, I suspect that our hearts long for what it might mean if such words were uttered over us. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. I have set you apart in me. I have appointed you. I am with you. I will not forsake you. You see, our city at the moment is enduring the pain of a secular existence, the burden of a secular existence. And I dare say none of us would be unfamiliar with the lethargy and the burden that comes with a secular existence. The burden that comes when we think that we just by chance have ended up here. That we're the one in one million who was conceived in our mother's womb. It could have been anyone else, but it just, just so happens to be us that we've come into existence. The burden that comes when we think our circumstances are nothing but a passing of the wind of, of 60 or 70, maybe 80, 90. We heard 100 years last year. The burden of, of needing to eke meaning out of our existences, out of our lives by ourselves, maybe as a, as a community, as a group of people. The burden of feeling that our days seem to be filled with the same old activities and the only purpose for them is to keep at bay the mortality that seems to be forever coming closer and closer. I do think that our hearts this morning wonder, could there be a call like Jeremiah's for us? As much as we might think, no, no, it doesn't really matter. I think there's a part of us that says, man, if I knew that there was a call like that over my life, what strength that might bring to my existence as I face difficulties. What meaning and life my existence might be charged with if these words that were uttered over Jeremiah had been uttered over me. Ephesians 1, three to five. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Colossians 3, 12 and 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy 
and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. The question is not whether you have been called here this morning. We have been called. That which Jeremiah heard and only saw at a distance, the Word of God, Jesus Christ. However, these words came to Jeremiah, all he's seeing is Jesus at a distance, has been revealed to us in these last times. In Christ, we see that God foreknew every one of us. Believe it or not, we did not get our start in our parents' mind or in our mother's womb. We existed before them. We got our start in His heart. In Christ, we see that He has chosen every one of us, that He has set us apart to be His people, His person. In Christ, we see that He's appointed us, every one of us, not some, for good works on the earth right now. In Christ, we know that He is with us as we set ourselves in obedience to the task that He has called us. Christ, the Word of God to us. This is not a cause for egotism. Wow, you know, I'm I'm called. All those other people, they're not called. I'm called, no way. It's God's will that none should perish. The question is not whether we have been called. The question is whether we believe that we have been called. Whether we live according to the fact that we have been called. Whether we live by faith in the Word who is Christ. Our head, our elder brother, our shape, the one who defines who we are as children of the living God. You know, the word to Jeremiah would be his strength only as long as he lived by it. Jeremiah would not come to know that this word was truth if he did not live as though it was true. And so the question comes to us this morning, are we living by faith? Are we living in the belief that we are called, every one of us, chosen of God, to be a holy people, set apart in Him? Sometimes we think to ourselves, well, a prophet could live by faith. But I'm just a, a regular person. I'm I'm dealing with earthly things, secular things that don't really have anything to do with God. I spend nine hours, nine hours of my day working, one hour commuting, five hours doing the domestic duties, maybe one hour you know, getting in a bit of TV at the end of the day if I can and the rest sleeping. Maybe I can pray sometimes throughout the day, reading the Bible for 30 minutes here or there, but, but surely something like this for Jeremiah, maybe it could be for the pastors, but it couldn't be for me. Maybe it could be for those doing Christian, Christian work, you know, the, the missionaries or those working for Christian organisations, but it's, it's not for me. You know, I think that's a, that's a common belief right now. It's, it's why our city's in a secular moment. 
because many of us in the church are believing that. But that attitude, I say this, please, with as much grace as I can, that attitude only comes when we misunderstand the word. See, Jesus didn't come to save us from the earth and its duties. Jesus didn't come and say all these earthly, societal, domestic things that you're involved in, they're spiritual, they're bad, you should, you should flee from them. You need to get out of them up into this sort of higher place. He didn't come and curse the earth and say, quick, escape from the earth to the heavens. Jesus came and opened the heavens over the earth. Jesus came and by His presence, by taking on our human nature, didn't render it evil, but sanctified it as holy. Jesus came and announced that all of these earthly incidents and accidents, these circumstances that we find in, they can be secular if you don't live by faith, but they can actually be pulled up into a soul, a sacred and a holy condition by the person who lives by faith. Everything done in faith in Christ is sacred, is holy, is spiritual, is heavenly, is godly. Husband, wives, as we love our spouses, are we doing so in faith, believing that Christ sanctified marriage as holy, as a God-given gift when he beautified the wedding at Cana with his presence? Believe that you are set apart in Christ to be a husband, to be a wife, and by doing so, make your marriage holy. Children, as we honour our parents, are we doing so believing that this is part of God's holy calling and appointment on our lives, which Jesus himself affirmed when he was born to a teenage mother? These are the parents that God has appointed you to honour and to cherish and to love, to respect. Sanctify your childship by faith in the word who is Christ. Mothers, fathers, as we parent, are we doing so believing that Christ showed this to be part of God's holy set apart calling on our lives when on the cross he says, mother, here is your son. Son, here is your mother. God has appointed you to it. You have him with you in order to be able to do that in a way which is pleasing to him, to honour him in the way that you parent. You have his, the unseen influence of his Holy Spirit giving you power to obey him as you are a parent. Builders, mechanics, engineers, architects, are we doing so in faith? Believing that this is a part of our holy and sacred calling, that Christ showed it to be so when he lived the first decade of his life as a carpenter. God has appointed you to it. Right now, at this moment in history, you have his Holy Spirit with you in order to be able to do it in the way that he, he sees fit, in the way that he wants to obey Christ as you do so. As we eat, as we cook, as we serve, Jesus washed his disciples' feet. What's left? That, there was nothing lower than that. That was, the, that was the bottom, washing the feet. There was nothing 
else that was earthly that, that people might say, well, that's, that's not a sacred thing. Jesus sanctifies it as he wash, washes his disciples' feet. I have to credit this story uh, to, to Dave Twig. He shared it one time in one of our PM services, I think. There was a builder doing a pour on a driveway. They were building a house and they were getting to the part where they poured the slab for the driveway. And apparently on this particular day, it wasn't going well. This is a true story. Uh, and concrete's one of those things where it kind of, things need to come together for it to go well. And on this particular day, it wasn't going well. And as if things could get worse, this builder sees the Portaloo truck driving along the road to come and, uh, to come and change the Portaloo or something like this, clean it out. And apparently, I haven't experienced this, but when that happens on a job site, this crazy stench comes out of the Portaloo as they do that. I, I can't verify that. That's what, I've, uh, that's what Twigger informs me. And so this guy's thinking, man, as if this day could get any worse because the Portaloo was right next to where they were pouring the slab of concrete. Anyway, the truck pulls up and uh, the builder's like, oh man, like, does he have to do it now? Anyway, the guy gets out of his truck, hooks straight into this thing, you know what I mean? No mucking around and he's banging and it's loud and the builder's thinking, what is going on in there? Like, what is this guy doing? And uh, anyway, after about 10 minutes of this guy working hard in this portaloo with the door closed, the builder, this beautiful smell starts to come out of this portaloo. You know, he's expecting the opposite, but this beautiful smell starts to come out and uh, they finish the slab, the pour, and he walks over to this guy cleaning the portaloo and he says, mate, what did you do in there? Like, that is incredible. I've never smelt it like that before. And... Uh, the guy says, the guy who cleaned the portaloo says, oh, I uh, just want to let you know, I, I know I'm new to this um, role, but I'm going to be looking after you from now on on this site. And, uh, and he said something so simple that the, the, the builder heard and remembers this guy said, the portaloo cleaner, he said, I work for the Lord. <laughs> and, uh, and I know a lot of us are thinking, oh man, who'd want to clean portaloos? But this guy is not just cleaning portaloos. He's exercising his call. He's having faith that he is set apart in Christ, that that is where his life is. And so he does so with joy. He does a good job, an immaculate job. He serves the men on that building site at that time in faith. This is a part of what God has called him to do. And he takes it up, not as, a, not as a burden, not as a chore, as a sacred calling, commissioned by the living God. 1 Timothy 4, 1 to 5 says this. The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical lies whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. They forbid people to marry and order them to abstain from certain foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and who know the truth. For everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving because it is consecrated by the word of God and prayer. Jesus, the word did not come and cast a curse on the earthly things that we find ourselves engaged in from from um, dawn to dusk. He, say, he said, these things can be a part of your holy and sacred calling in me. You, when you realize that you have been set apart in me, 
you pull those things all the way up into their proper sacred and holy condition. Now, are there priests and are there prophets, pastors, we would say today? Absolutely. Praise God that he's appointing them as much as he's appointing lawyers and cleaners and human resource managers. And the pastors have a role, have a vocation as well that God is calling them to. But as soon as we succumb to the belief that one vocation is appointed in Christ and others aren't, that one calling and set of circumstances and set of domestics is spiritual and others aren't. As soon as we look around at others' appointments and vocations and callings in comparison to ours and either celebrate our significance or lament our insignificance, we have sunk into being slaves to the earth, slaves to the created order. This was what Judah found itself in at the moment. The priests and the prophets had not been doing their job, which was to remind the people that they are chosen, set apart in God. So the nation had had sunk into a secular existence. Whenever we we make this, we we overvalue some things and we say, oh, well, this is is better than the others or, or something like this. What? What happens is that priests and those who are involved in those religious activities will be apt to the worship of themselves, the self-righteous self. The institutional church, the the organisation of the church will become the centre of the universe rather than Jesus Christ. And as we do this, those who aren't in those type of vocations, who aren't priests, pastors, prophets will tend towards the worship of earthly things as we see in Judah Selfishness and all manner of deception and monotony will arise in our apparently secular existences. We will try to cover over that with a few hours of religious activity in the week or in the day. This is in fact what the people of Judah were doing. They were going to the temple, making burnt offerings, making sacrifices, but it meant nothing. It was just ritual. And as I've experienced, there will be a fragmentation in your life there will be a, div- a division in our life between what we profess on Sundays, mostly Sunday, and how we live in the remainder of our lives. This fragmentation will be astounding to us. We will wonder how it can be. The specific role and the vocation, in fact, of the priest, of the pastor, of the prophet, of Jeremiah is to not let anyone forget the word of Christ. To not let anyone forget that they have been foreknown, that all have been set apart, that all have been appointed, that he is with all, interested in all, helping all. This calling over Jeremiah's life, his set-apartness is what he is then to go and proclaim to the rest of the nation that you too are set apart. It's not just me. That they are his, that they are God's as well. That this is your identity, this is your This is who you are. This nation who had forgotten God 
in their comings, in their goings, in their domestic, in their family, in their workplaces. Had forgotten that they were a people who were foreknown, consecrated, appointed to declare the praises of him who called them amongst the nations. And so God, in his mercy, handed them over to the the burden of their secular existence, the burden of serving created things. This is the place that our city is in this morning. Maybe this is the place that some of us are in this morning. Maybe we're saying uh, this morning, well, this can't be right because I chose those things. I chose to be single or I chose to be married. I chose to become a parent or I chose to become a student or I chose to, to work in this particular place. They were my decisions. God had no part in them and I, I can't really see the part that he has in them now. Maybe you did. Maybe you have. Maybe you have made decisions without any uh, reference to the unseen governing influence over your spirit. But I just wanna encourage you this morning with these words from St. Paul in Galatians 2.20. Remembering, maybe you're thinking, I chose those things. Listen to this. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Even if we came to those decisions by ourselves out of selfish motives, even if we had no reference to God in those decisions, in Christ we are chosen of God. The past is the past. What God is interested in is whether you have faith today. If today and tomorrow and the next day we will believe that we are called of God, chosen in God by Christ, God will take our secular, faithless decisions that we have made in the past to be His appointments in faith. All of our lives, all of the history will be pulled up and together and into a sacred and a holy condition if we will live in faith, if we will believe the truth that we are children of the living God. There might be parts, of course, of his life, of your life that he tells you to leave behind. That's good, let's listen to him. The person who chose dealing drugs as a vocation will be well pleased to leave that behind as they follow Christ, they will. But listen to these words from St. Paul again that are the general pattern of how we are to understand this. 1 Corinthians 7, 20 to 23. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's free person. Similarly, The one who was free when called is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. The portaloo cleaner, the priest, the banker, the slave or the freed man, 
these two things that in Paul's day were the diametrical opposites on worldly scales, these two vocations or, or, or decisions that people have made in the past are brought into the same place in Christ Jesus. As soon as we make something above something else, Paul says, you will become slaves of human beings, created things, created circumstances, that the earthly, we need a master in heaven. We're naive to think that Jeremiah didn't have just as much temptation as we do to not live by faith. Just imagine for a second, we fast forward a few years in Jeremiah's life and he's suffering. He's being ridiculed, persecuted. The, the, the nation's not listening to him. He's speaking and preaching and preaching and it is falling on deaf ears. There's no outcome. There's no, there's no turning. He's just, he's just doing all of this. We would be naive to think that there weren't Moments of test and temptation where Jeremiah would have said, did God really say that? Did God really say that I was chosen in Him? That I was called, foreknown, appointed to this task? Did God really say that? And the moment that he gave in to that temptation, stopped living by faith, he would have been enslaved to the circumstances of the world just as much as the rest of the nation was. Brothers and sisters, the word of God has tabernacled amongst us. More light has shone from heaven onto earth in our era than ever there had been in Jeremiah's era. He has been amongst us. As John, I think, says, we've seen his glory. But do we find ourselves in most of our lives without a father of our spirits, without a father who has chosen us, who has appointed us, who says he is with us? Is that the place we find ourselves in? Well, God's encouragement to us this morning is to leave that, Leave the self, which right now is saying, my, you know, there's no way I could serve God. There's no way that, that God could be in that part of my life. There's, God's not here with me in this moment. Leave that. That is, that is the enemy deceiving you. That is yourself. That is your flesh. And believe on Christ. Believe in the word. Live by faith. The problem is, we will only know that this is truth, that we are chosen in God if we will live according to it. Judah was not living according to it and so it was just sinking deeper and deeper into a deception, into darkness. And God was gonna allow that to happen even to the point of exile, to the point where they would cry out and say, I need something more than my secular existence. We will only come to know that we are chosen in God if we live according to that being true. Jesus is the basis for it. 
but we will, own, we will only come to know that that is actually the truth when we live in the stream of it. And so let us turn from all our baseness and sin that arises when we forget that we have a heavenly Father who loves us. Let us believe that he has called us, you, me, all of us in Christ, that we are a chosen people, not for ourselves, not to boost ourselves, but this is who we are. Let us believe that he's appointed us to our work, to our domestic circumstances, to our family, to our communities, to our city, to our neighbourhoods, to declare his praises, to do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who called us out of darkness into light. Let us believe that he will be with us as we do that. That as we set ourselves to obey the Lord Jesus Christ, wherever we are, in whatever circumstance we find ourselves, that he will give us his Holy Spirit that he has, not will. He has given us his Holy Spirit to be our guide, to be our helper, to give us everything we need if we will look to him, to follow Jesus wherever we are. You see, it's obedience. Obedience is the key, wherever we are to obey Christ. Uh, if this morning you know that, or you're feeling, man, I just feel like I am living, my existence seems secular, it seems like a burden, and I'd really love for some more meaning to come in. Maybe in the past there was times where you were, you knew, yes, I am chosen in Christ, set apart. But at the moment, you haven't been living in faith in whatever the areas are. The truth is, even if you make a response this morning, um, it's a moment by moment decision. We could decide this morning, yes, no, this is the truth. I'm gonna live according to it and set out to do that. And then we could get stray and wayward again. And so, so the truth is, this is a, a response of the whole of the life, not just one particular moment. But I did wanna make an opportunity this morning for you to say in faith, yes, I, I, want to, I, I want to receive this. I want to receive this word over my life that I am chosen in God, set apart, appointed to do the things in the ways that he has set before me. And so if that is you this morning, uh, we're gonna practice our unity together because the role of the pastor, of the priest, of the prophet is to not let any of us forget. And so the way that you can respond this morning, if you're saying, actually, yes, I recognize that I've been living maybe a secular existence, maybe just in this part of my life or in this part of my life, and you're wanting to say, I'm gonna turn from that and turn to a God-filled existence, believing, believing that I'm chosen, appointed, called, you can come forward and, and the pastors and the prayer team, what they will do is they will actually practice their vocation, which is to anoint you and say, this is who you are. Not on their authority, on the authority of Jesus Christ to say, you are chosen. You are called. You have been foreknown. You have been set apart. And you can come and receive that prayer as a, as a sense of you saying, yes, this is what I wanna live into. This is what I want to believe is the truth. And I know that it will mean we'll have to decide that time and time again over the coming weeks, the coming years, just as Jeremiah did. This one moment wasn't sufficient. He had to hold to it. He had to hold to Christ. And that's what we need to keep doing. But that's the way that we can respond this morning.
for God's word to us. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just turn ourselves to you this morning. We turn away from the self, from the flesh that's saying, no, no, no. God can't be present with you here. God's, God hasn't called you to that. And we just look up to you, Father, and believe on the authority of Jesus Christ that we are sons and daughters of the living God. And Lord, I just really feel to pray for our city this morning. Our city, there's so, there's suffering, Lord, in this place of a secular existence. It's letting them down big time. That's why there's so much depression, so much anxiety about the future. This secular project has let them down. But God, we remember that Jeremiah was chosen, was called not for himself to pump himself up. He was called so that he might declare to the nation that they too are called. So that that nation, Israel, Judah, may declare to all the nations that they too are called and chosen and foreknown and appointed. And so we this morning, with what we have in front of us, we want to be a people who take up our calling, who believe that we are chosen in God. And Lord, as we do so, as 500 people take up that calling, lay a hold of that in the, in the sphere of influence that they have, a city will see Jesus. For we will be doing everything in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. As Paul says, whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. And I believe that our city will begin to wake up and turn back to you as well and declare the praises of Him, the Lord Jesus Christ, who calls us out of darkness and into His wonderful light. And so we respond to you this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Team's gonna lead us in this song. And uh, so I just encourage you, if that's the response that you feel you want to make this morning to God, to His Word, to His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, I just encourage you to do that as we sing now. Let's stand together.
I really sense this is a call on us today. We have been called by Almighty God. He knows you. You are fully known before Him this morning. There are no accidents or mistakes in His kingdom, but He has called us to be His people, called us to be His light, called us to reveal who He is in every place, in every circumstance, to every person that he has placed around us. And I just want to affirm Matt's call today. This is an opportunity to be anointed for the task that God has called you to. Be it in your home, be it in your workplace, be it in your school, be it in your street, wherever you are, come, be prayed for, be anointed and receive, step into this calling that God has placed on each one of us to be His light in this world. Let's continue to worship, respond, church, to the Word of God.
Lord, we thank you for your word to us today. We thank you that that you have placed your call on each and every one of us, God, to be filled with the full measure of Christ, to be a light in this world, God, to reveal your heart, Lord, in all the places that you've called us to. And God, we keep asking that you would reveal yourself right across this city, into every street, every home, every community, every part of this world, Lord, that all would cry out to you as God, all would acknowledge you as Saviour and Lord. Oh God, that is our heart today. May your light shine in Jesus' Name. It is not too late to come, church. If you would like prayer, our prayer team, pastors are here. Don't miss the opportunity when God speaks. If you don't know Jesus yet, if you don't know what it is to have a personal relationship with Jesus who fills us and leads us and has called us, then we would love to have a chat to you. Do that. If you're listening online this morning, respond to Jesus online. We would love to get in touch with you and share with you more about what it is to know our amazing Jesus. Church, be blessed today. Hang around, share in a conversation and a coffee after this service. And I pray that you would know God's light shining through you and in you this week. Thank you, church. Thank you, team.